0: Ancient Mythos Podcast, Episode 5, Rome's Founding Myth. Welcome, scholars of ancient legends, tales, gods, goddesses, heroes, and creatures to the Ancient Mythos Podcast. My name is Kelly Beslaki, and I will be your humble guide as we explore various mythologies from around the world. This week on Ancient Mythos, we're taking a look at the founding myth of Rome. Please remember, myths often have multiple versions or tellings, and I may note the difference between tellings when I'm talking about one, but often there are just too many different versions to count, or I'm just not aware of another version out there. You know a different version of a myth that we do here on the podcast? Please comment and let me know. I always find it interesting to hear what different versions people have heard. As well, while this is more in the Romance family language, so I can be better at the names, but I have trouble with English, so ancient languages are still a little tricky for me, so if I mispronounce anything, I'm going to go ahead and say sorry right now. But the story of Rome's founding is actually very different from other stories of city foundings. In fact, it's very human-like in nature rather than divine. You don't see a lot of gods um, or divine influences in it. I mean, there are a few here and there, but not too many. And the characters in it are very human-like in what their actions and their reasonings and what they do. So without further ado, our tale actually starts, very interestingly enough, with the coup. In the city of Albalonga, King Numitor was deposed and imprisoned by his younger brother, Amulius. I swear I practiced these pronunciations before I came on here. And he, the, um, the younger brother then imprisoned his niece, Rhea, King Numitor's daughter, and forced her to become a Vestal virgin so that she wouldn't have any kids who could potentially challenge him for the throne. However, imprisonment and, you know, holy vows never stopped the gods, so it was the war god Mars who managed to impregnate Rhea, and she ended up giving birth to twins. Amelius ordered them to be drowned in the Tiber River, but the infants survived, washing ashore by the Palatine Hill, where they were found and cared for by the she-wolf Lupa. They were eventually found and adopted by a local shepherd. Now, the years go on, and the twins, named Romulus and Remus, grow up to become strong warriors, and they actually become a leader of a band of young warriors slash shepherds. They eventually learn of their true identity, and so they march on Alba Longa, kill their uncle, and restore their grandfather to the throne. Interestingly enough, though, the twins don't stay and take a place as their grandfather's heirs. Instead, they return home with the intent of building their own city where they have been found by the Tiber, which, you know, is very interesting. No, we're not going to take this kingdom that's already made. We're going to Go build our own fixer upper city and become kings of that. So <laughs> but shortly after they start building the city, the twins break out into an argument. Myths differ on what the cause of the argument was. Some say they disagreed over where to specifically build the city, others claim that it was who is the leader of the city. Um, so there are some myths where they held a contest so the gods could make a sign of who. Would be leader. Um, one of them is chosen, the other gets mad, and a fight ensues. But no matter what the source of the argument is, the point is that Romulus and Remus come to blows. And Romulus actually ends up killing his brother Remus, and thus becomes the sole ruler of the city, and it name's the city after himself, Rome. Now, Romulus has, you know, killed his brother. He's the sole ruler of the city. He's built his city up, And now it needs citizens. So he actually declares it as an asylum for fugitives and exiles so that they can come and build a new home. You can imagine the kind of crowd that this draws in. You know, big, strong, aggressive, you know, overwhelmingly male citizens that are all coming in. And since this is kind of turning into a bit of a boys club, Romulus soon realizes that they're gonna need wives, or else the city's just gonna die out shortly <laughs> shortly hereafter if they don't have anyone to procreate with. So what he does is he invites one of his neighbors, the Sabines, to a festival. But during at some time during the feasting, he gives the signal to his men, and they all abduct the young women of the and claim them as their brides. The Sabines, of course, don't take this line down, and they quickly go to war with the Romans. But it was actually the Sabine women who had been abducted who intervened and put a stop to the fighting, um, asking both sides to not make them orphans and widows on the same day. Thus, a peace treaty is drawn up, and the communities merge under the joint rule of Romulus and the Sabine king. The Sabine king dies soon after, make of that what you will... And Romulus becomes the sole ruler of this little city in the backwoods of Italy that will one day go on to rule the whole of the Mediterranean. Thank you for listening to Ancient Mythos Podcast. To get notifications of new episodes, please subscribe on Substack, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. For more mythological content, check out my publication, Ancient Mythos, on Substack. Don't forget to see my website, kellyvislocky.com, and follow me on social media. Thank you guys so much for your support, and I'll see you next time.